0: Welcome to Season 4 of the Powered by Rock Podcast. We'll bring you the best stories in rock music with a focus on highlighting independent rock musicians and their music from all over the world. No, rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's just time for you to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started.
1: The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me.
0: Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with a man who has a, had a great impact in my musical life today in Scott Klopfenstein from the Littlest Man Band, and who is also a former member of the legendary ska band Real Big Fish, as well as a player in various other influential bands in the 90s California ska scene like The Scholars. I still remember watching Sellout on MTV for an entire summer and rocking out to every Real Big Fish album since that day, 15 years and more, you know, 25 maybe now, I don't even know how many years it's been. Uh, Scott did leave uh, officially, maybe unofficially, leave Real Big Fish back in 2011, but has been fronting the Littlest Man Band since 2003 or so, with some gaps in there to pursue other areas of life, like starting a family and dabbling in other artistic endeavors. I recently saw him perform live in Las Vegas, and I was very impressed by how much his style and sound had evolved especially for a guy who I came to know as the goofball trumpet player in my early years. He's truly a legend of Scott. I'm very much an icon of the scene in my eyes today. I'm honored to welcome Scott Klop- Klopfenstein to the show. Hey Scott, how's it going?
2: Good, Isaac. How you doing?
0: Pretty good. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I've kind of inadvertently met you years ago. I think you guys were playing in Fargo, North Dakota. That's where I grew up and I went to high school and we drove all the way across. I think it was like you guys and maybe zebra head and, Oh yeah, um, like pushover maybe, but might have been the opening band. Oh
1: okay, yeah. Years yeah, yeah. ago,
0: like two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, even. Um, so this was years and years and years ago. Um, so that's how old I am. But uh, obviously, you're that old as well. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm no spring chicken. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, just having you here is a, a great honor. It's one of my, you know, Rubik Fish is by far one of my favorite bands of all time, and I've I've come to enjoy the Littlest Man band a lot. It's a bit different, so. I think what I want to do, uh, you know, you've had so many different awesome things happen to you in your life. And, you know, there's really great stories that you're going to tell. But I do want to kind of start with. Hopefully,
2: uh, hopefully, let's let's get yeah. hopefully I could I mean, I could be a complete drip. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As like, we oh stated, I'm closer to wine than grape. You know what I mean? <laughs> so
0: that's a good point. All right. So. The, the best story I think we, I want to start with is kind of, um, it's, it's a recent struggle of yours uh, that you've pretty much had that's changed your outlook on life, your outlook on music, and a lot of other stuff. And it's your battle with Lyme disease. Um, I believe you were proper, improperly or misdiagnosed uh, for that early on, uh, if, if I remember correctly. But basically, now that you know what you're kind of fighting and you've been doing this for years, how is this affecting you as a person and then also as a musician?
2: Well, I mean, so the, yeah, no, the, the actual official diagnosis of Lyme is pretty recent. I mean, it was like the beginning or it was the end of last year, I feel like. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because as we were going through and preparing and, and, and starting to work with the practice that we've been working with, uh, these wonderful people at a place called the Holtorf. Uh, a medical group. Um, especially the way that Lyme kind of rolls itself out is I'm unaware of the changes because they're slight, they kind of happen, you know, uh, 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 a lot of it for me, the progression was very subtle. Yeah. And the people around me noticed changes in my personality and and my ability to function on you know on on a day-to-day level and i could excuse these things as just being like well i'm an artist i'm a wacky you know like my brain does crazy things and i could still to a degree function artistically um you know music just like whatever it was that was always easy um but a lot of like executive functioning getting stuff done understanding you know complicated just um a lot of things that also people are like oh well you're just getting old it's like okay well I guess I'm just getting old um we just excuses that until it became just uh over the past kind of over the pandemic um we it was just too much you know I mean as we're like trying to keep our heads above water financially emotionally spiritually you know um and um, my wife and I are we were just like, what is going on? And it's like, you know, I'm—we're firm believers in the fact that everybody's doing the best they can with what they've got. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And some people don't have a lot, and it's a whole thing. We'll, we can get into that later. But at the certain, it doesn't mean that what was going on. As much as we were trying to address things on a positive level, I mean, we were both at getting into therapy to deal with. Um, certain things that we had separately been through and then things, you know, difficulties of being, just being married to one another. Um, I, you know, uh, uh, my wife and I love each other very much, but I can speak for myself. I'm, I'm not the easiest person in the world to get along with. Yeah. Um, and it's weird how
0: hard that marriage is when you, you, you truly love this person and they're like your best friend, but it's like, you drive me fucking nuts sometimes.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I tend to come at things kind of from a different, from a very side angled point of view, you know? Um, that's just the way that my brain dissects information in the world. Like, it's like that anyway. So yeah. um, it's very confusing to try to reach a level of understanding. And so anyway, um, we, we had a friend that we were both kind of confiding in and uh, a cl- great closed mouth friend who never like cross pollinated information. Um, and she had been through some Lyme and, and um, co-infections and things like this and Borrelia. Um, and so she was like, hey, this kind of looks like this. And we were like, well, I guess, you know, I mean, like I had, you know, uh, uh, and uh so we we started investigating now the thing that's unfortunate is that you know the american medical association and and the the medical community at large don't recognize chronic lyme disease as a real thing or a problem Mm -hmm. and so there's a you have to go private practice like my insurance doesn't cover really any of this yeah you know And um, um, uh, so, I mean, we we got involved in that and um, but, you you know, uh, getting back kind of to your question, sorry, I I, I have been called what I love to say is tangential, but it's really just scatterbrained Um, um, the way it's I mean, like, so much of what I do for a living requires me to be um, administratively organized, you know, there's a lot of executive functioning that goes into it, I can write a song, I can play a show, I can do all that. But there's so much more to this work and this business than that. And that's the stuff that really started tanking for me, Um, my ability to juggle and keep straight all of the things. And, um, even for my, ma- my manager got really frustrated, because I was just like, I can't wrap my brain around um, complicated things. And, and, again, like, I, I've always been kind of, quote, you know, tangential scatterbrained, whatever it is, you want to say, like, it's just like, my brain shoots off in different directions, which is really useful in a lot of conditions, yeah especially in, you know, performing live and in writing and create any creative pursuit. But as far as getting tasks done it's garbage (laughs) it's absolutely not great and um and so a lot of the things that needed to happen for the business to progress or even sustain um you know um just weren't getting done and there's nobody but me to do them yeah you know what i mean like it's not like the littlest man band is more of an idea and a collective consciousness than an actual like you know everybody I've got cats that are in different bands moving around and doing a lot of stuff so it's like I got people who can fiddle in and then when it comes to recording like I've got a core group of guys that I like to use. But then you know like I used you know uh uh Tony Austin from Kamasi Washington's band and Dennis Ham from Thundercats band on the last set of recordings to come in and like play, you know, and it's like I like doing that. So it's like um but again, that requires me to be on top of things and talking with people and organizing and like working with uh, recording schedules and producers. And, and it's just like my brain just goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The
0: logistics, I mean, even for people who are not having any sort of Lyme disease, logistics can be a battle scheduling, Yeah. timing, moving stuff around, all that stuff. So it is one of those things that, you know, as you get, you know, brain fog as you call it or any and any of that stuff it's like well i forgot even what the first step is now like where do i even start is that ever like that to you
2: oh absolutely i mean like i was helping prepare dinner the other night and we we were using this one of those you know like they ship all the ingredients to you and there's a thing you know and it's like and that's really useful for us because again like i need very clear instructions that i can look at and go back to and stuff but it took me an hour to go yeah. through one of these steps that should take fifteen minutes,
3: yeah,
2: you know, and it's and it's really taken both my wife and I some real um, time and surrender and um, vulnerability to understand that it's not that I don't want to do these things. It's not, you know, it's that it's like this is what it really takes for me to be able to process this information and move forward and there's a lot of shame that comes with it for me and 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 guilt and stress you know um which makes it worse yeah to be fair and so it's it's this compounding problem um that has been actually getting a in some ways better and in some ways like it's much better in 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 the stress and guilt and shame areas because now that we're open about it and we know kind of what's going on that's been we're both my wife and i and and my family and just you know people that i'm working with have a little more understanding or a little more patient um and i know that they understand so i'm not imposing shame and and guilt on myself but there really is this thing that i've been carrying around for a while that is um i'm just a bad person
0: yeah yeah it's, you know, it's not I'm just, easy for people to look after you when you're a fully capable person otherwise right
2: right i mean it's like it's this thing and i still struggle with it it's just like um the 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 because that's how it was given to me without knowing what was going on yeah is what's wrong with you you know like why can't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps all this stuff and it's one of the main characteristics of the struggle with and that people i've talked to have been struggling with chronic Lyme is the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth and i won't cry about it now but i've cried plenty every time i hear it is you're not crazy yeah like that's that's the first thing every person who has struggled with chronic Lyme says to me is you're not crazy it's not your fault. Yeah, and it's like, what a thing to have to say to one another as sick people. Like, yeah. it really, it's first of all, it was, it was incredible, and, and what an alleviation to hear. And I and I continue to need to hear it, which is why I continue to try to connect with other people who have this uh, disease, and struggle with chronic Lyme. Um, but it's um it's it's a mentality that kind of takes a while to to breed out
3: yeah you have
2: to really replace it with a lot of positivity and um you know there's some some things you have to do that are um that deal with retraining your chronic stress response and your parasympathetic responses and your neuroplasticity um you know and so there's I think the thing that's interesting about Lyme, and again, maybe this is a tangential, but it's, and it's, and it's something that we need to think about in Western medicine to begin with, is it's like, anytime you're dealing with illness, there are multiple facets to the way we're affected. There's yeah. not just the physical, but there's the emotional, the mental, and the physical re- represents in many different ways. I mean, if you take into consideration, you know, I mean, so Freud had, right, a, a, a um um, psychoanalytics right well there's also the there's bioanalytics which uh, there's this great book called fear of life i forget who wrote it but it's like it's in its basic i mean it's something we understand to be true and yet we don't treat it as it's like with any kind of psychological condition there's a physical component of it people who have hard times with their you know with their uh uh self-esteem shoulders and what have you and it, and what have you or they stand straight up and they're very rigid and there's a lot of tension and it's like if we don't treat the whole if we're not holistic about how we treat illness then the way we recover can't be complete yeah you know we're we're and this is my own personal opinion and based on just my own experience but i mean we all know we're we're not just physical, but we're emotional and and psychological beings, as well as I think spiritual, whatever that means to you. There's no, you know, I'm not going with any denomination of spirituality, just the fact that we have to acknowledge that there's energy and information that sits between every, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, neurons and protons, all the subatomic particles that is the say, you know. That has information and energy that we don't necessarily understand. Whatever that is, we can call it spiritual. If we, I like calling it that because it, it's there and it connects yeah. everything to everything, and yet it still defines things as, be, you know. Anyway, well, yeah, you can tell I spent a lot of time uh, uh, researching all this stuff. Yeah. Um
0: and I was going to say there's you know, a
2: lot to say about say. how we recover in this in 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 Western culture, and it's incomplete. It's completely incomplete and unsupported.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, I'm a business consultant and it's actually kind of like being a doctor sometimes because people want you to treat a symptom of their problems rather than treat the whole thing. It's like, actually your business has all these problems, but you're only focused on the one pain point that you see or know about. You actually need to get right overall. Like your mindset needs to get better. Like you need to do this stuff. And it's no different with that. And I was going to ask you, like, you know, have you seen any positives that have come out of the darkness? But I mean, you just mentioned, like, you're you're doing a lot of retraining of your brain, a lot of retraining of your physical being, right? And, And networking with a lot of people who have these same, you know, symptoms, the disease and other things that kind of help you kind of, I guess, not just spread awareness and you're doing that as well, but also help yourself feel alleviated from all a lot of the pressure that you were putting on your own self because you didn't know what was going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, some of I mean, there have been so many positive, I, you know, I, uh, what was it 20 years ago? Almost now. I, I came down with this thing called Guillain-Barre syndrome where I was paralyzed from the neck down. And as difficult. And, and, you know, I mean, that was much easier to, But I mean, even with that, there was still in the first 48 to 72 hours of that. There was a lot of before I went to the hospital in New Zealand, there was still a lot of Oh, Scott, pull yourself together, you're being dramatic. You know, and it's, and I'm not saying that to be on, you know, like point fingers, I'm not, you know, and be unfair to the people i you know, the, my bandmates and my tour manager and stuff like that. Cause to be honest, yeah, I'm, I have a big personality and, 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 you know, um, and, and a lot, and I've heard that my whole life is stop being dramatic, right. But all that really means is I'm actually wildly open and in touch with my feelings. Yeah. Um, Which makes people uncomfortable. Fair Hmm. enough. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But it's like it took a doctor to be like, no, you're ill. You're not going anywhere for eight days. You can't finish your tour. And then you need to go home to New York. You know, it's like, but there was still this like, oh, maybe I am making." And while I was sick, while I was learning to stand again and do all this stuff, I still kept in my brain, maybe I'm making too big a deal out of this. As I have neurologists and pathologists, and I mean, all of these people working with me and physical therapists that are like, you're ill. Yeah. Like there's a psychological, emotional component to being a sick person that nobody treats, it's not part of the treatment. And I don't understand why. It's it's absurd and it's offensive. Yeah, we don't tr- we don't care about quality of life.
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: asking war veteran, right?
2: Evidently, it, it, yeah. I mean, but and yet still, like it gets worse and worse and worse. And yeah. I don't understand. I mean, and it's like, um, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, luckily, like one of the positive things. Sorry, my coffee's all the way back there. <laughs> um, one of the things that's been remarkable and has been both heartbreaking and eye-opening and humanizing for me is watching like we 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 spent thousands of dollars uh, uh beginning this process and we, and it and we and we could only allocate a certain amount of money to it yeah you know because it's like i mean i got kids we have you know a, a home we have all this stuff that we're you know And coming out of a pandemic and me not functioning as good well as I can, you know, it's like money, it's tight for everybody. It's just, it's a weird time in our country and around the world financially. There's so much uncertainty and even more. So the uncertainty is in our faces constantly. And if you don't know about all the uncertainty, again, there's, there's a shame component and all sorts of stuff. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: So it's like, it just getting started tapped us out and we had to you know and our friend my friend jesse started a a gofundme for us yeah and watching watching people show up express their love their support and it not be a transactional expression because that's, that is so. It feels so rare. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and for me, and it was hard at first for me to be like I would just break down constantly, for the first week that we had, and kind of first two weeks that we had the the GoFundMe. Is it's like, it, how often do you see that? Yeah. Do we? How often do we see that in our homes, in our jobs, in our friends? It's like so often we've been trained that support and love are transactional well i'm not gonna get you know i know what you're gonna do so i'm not gonna do this yeah it's like we've all been looking for unconditional love and yet we're so protected about giving it
3: Yep. Yeah.
2: but this was everybody just showing up and like dude we love everything you thank you for the music this you know boom it's like and all they want is for me to get better
3: yeah yeah
2: it's unbelievable. I I I still I just I I I I'm floored and unparalleledly grateful. Yeah, um, and I
0: believe that that is still active. So I'll definitely share a link in is. the notes yeah. below. So yeah, um, it is one of those things, like you said, health insurance and health providers in, in the country are just—it's an anomaly of of the world that we have to try to figure out how to pay for our own health stuff, you know, and and you know you could make how much ever money you want but when you have to then treat an illness that you can't get coverage for you're kind of screwed regardless of it it's like you know you've all of a sudden got bills that nothing this was never accounted for right like you're never like setting aside 40 50 sixty thousand for something that just comes up and you're like i can't pay for this any other way it's just insane that that's how the country works and you know a lot of people do feel shame when they're like you know i, I gotta do a gofundme and I know that there's people worse off than me but at the same time there might be no other way for me to get through this
2: yeah i mean i heard somebody call it the like um you know new new american insurance paul like the new american medical insurance just go fund me because it's more and more you know um it's like yeah it's just there's just stuff that they're like oh we'll cover this part but not this part because you know why would you know and i mean Look, I understand to a degree that there are people whose jobs it is to run a business and that there are people who rely upon that business to flourish in order for their families. Like I get how the system works, but if subtle adjustments are made here and there and people look no one can no one gets away unscathed without making a certain amount of sacrifice Yep. you know what i mean like this is like and and it seems like there is until we can deprogram our society's addiction to scarcity lifestyle, like we're always going to be in this place where it's like, I don't have enough to give or share or like, you know, because if everybody did it just a little bit, yeah, it would be amazing what could happen. Yeah. You know, there's this idea sometimes that it's like, what if everybody did what you do? Good, you know, positive or negative. Yep. What if everybody, it's like, well, somebody else will do it. Well, what if everybody thought that way?
0: Yeah. What if everybody just picked up a piece of trash when they saw it on the street, right? What if everybody yeah. did this little thing? <laughs>
2: So my, I mean, speaking of like my wife and I take these walks and she brings a trash thing uh, with yeah. her and she picks up trash around our neighborhood. Not to, sh- and people get weird about it because they yeah. feel shame about it. But that's not our point. We're not doing it to shame anybody. We're doing it because we do it Yeah, because it's our neighborhood. Yeah, And why wouldn't we, it's not, it's not to make a statement. It's just to do it. Yeah not everything is a political religious in your face fucking i don't know if cursing is but anyway swear as much um,
0: as you want scott great (laughs)
2: it's i try you know it's like i got kids so i make up a lot of like curse words that don't exist yeah but uh uh you know we're so like we're so sensitive in some ways and desensitized in others yeah We really, it's this whole flipping that needs to happen, but it's, it would take a cultural revolution to do it. Yep. And everyone's terrified of what that would mean.
0: Yeah. So it's
2: like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this stuff all day. I know you have other things you got in your day and stuff. And I I have, I have, I I have a babysitter, so they have to leave at some point today too, so fair enough,
2: fair enough. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) But. I want to keep this on track because I got, I I wanted to obviously talk about the Lilless Man Band, which is a project you've been spearheading basically for, you know, the last, yeah, 20 years, pretty much. Um, What, I mean, to me, it's a a lot more jazzy than ska in a lot of ways. And one of the things I actually really like is that when you're vocalizing, I can almost hear you playing trumpet out of the, the the vocalization of your mouth, right? It's like oh, the way that you sing is like, it's like somebody's playing trumpet to your vocal cords. Well, how do you describe what you kind of do? And do you think that that maybe horns background changes the way that you sing things?
2: I mean, most definitely. Like, uh, I, I, I would say, yeah, I, I, I'm, that that's, I, I've never really thought about it, but 100%, I mean, you know, uh studying I like to put
0: in the work, Scott. I listen to the
2: music. No, it's hey, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um I I ne- I mean to tell I don't put a lot of uh conscious thought into anything I do. It all is I work very uh somewhere between conscious and unconscious. I try to. Um and um so it's just kind of what and you know uh it's kind of whatever comes out you know i'm like well that's what it is um but yeah i mean being that that's where i really started to understand and work with um melody creation and uh stuff like that but eh, you know i think it, it it's probably a mix between that and just studying um the uh, other vocalists that i worked with you know what i mean because it's like i can't say that like being a backup vocalist for for real big fish for so many years hasn't informed the way i write lead melodies because it's just i it's the way that i hear Mm -hmm. things now it's the way that like my brain works and and even in you know the scholars and um so But it's interesting i never yeah i never really thought about it being uh the horn line situation yeah yeah interesting yeah (laughs) um i I often you know because there's times where it's like i think as you know as as any uh uh creative person gets older you start to try to like go where can i clean things up a bit where can i sound a little more mature and a little more methodical uh without like compromising the spontaneity and style of it um and so i catch myself every now and then i'm like is that too crazy and then (laughs) anytime i say is that too crazy i go like who cares like do it and if and if it continues to not feel good then maybe suggest it but it's like at that point then i stop thinking about it and then i obsess about something else but
0: yeah exactly yeah (laughs) Well, I do want to play, if you're okay with it, I forgot to actually ask your permission before we started this, but I would like to play the new single Just Like You. I think it came out in March or uh, somewhere. Yeah. In there. Um, so what I'll do is during this next break, if you're okay with it, I'll play that song so that way people can get a feel for what the Littlest Man band sounds like. Um, so I just want to make sure, is it okay with you that I have consent to play that song? So Spotify. Play the song. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So we're going to listen to just like you by the Lilith man band. So stick around as I'm going to be putting Scott in the spotlight with some hot seat questions when we return. So power by rock podcast will return right after this.
1: thing at all. But now-
0: Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast. I'm here with Scott Kloffenstein of the Lilith Man Band, Real Big Fish, and the Scholars, uh, just to name a few. Scott, are you ready to be put in the spotlight?
2: Oh, I've been I've been dying for it. <laughs> and I mean, I can I even kind of see. Spotlight. It I'm looks like you're in one. Yeah.
0: yeah, it looks like when you're in one right now. So we're good. All right. So question one. This one's not too heated, but in all of your travels and performances, do you have one performance that stands out to you as just being a defining moment in your career?
2: Yeah, there was um, I want to say it was at the end of our very first tour, although it may have been at the end, like our very first international or national tour that like, was like a month and a half. The first time we've been gone that long, but it might have been at the end of our second. I don't remember, but all I know is it was the very end of a tour and we got put on a radio show. You know, I mean, this was really early in our career and. um and we were exhausted and we were in a van and we pulled and we were just we were not like we we were bleary eyed and ready to go home and they're like oh you guys have got added to this thing you got to do it and we're like oh, okay and so we pull up to this the back of this venue we have no idea what's going on <laughs> we get out of our van there's all these tour buses we go to the backstage of this thing We see the guys from The Offspring who we'd met before, like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, they go out and they're going out to play. And we're like, I don't know. So we're like in our dressing room. We smell bad. I don't know what we look like, Um, but we're just like so exhausted and ready to go home. We're like, please let us go home. Um, So this must have been our second tour because now I'm remembering the end of our first tour Uh, and um, And so we're sitting there and they're like, okay, it's time for you guys to go on, you know, like the horns are like, we're like, oh God. And our like instruments already out there, like our techs have already put everything out there and we come around and we come around the corner and it's like, it's, it's a giant shed. It's like 15,000 people and they're all going crazy, (laughs) like insane crazy. And I ju- I like, I, we'd never seen anything like it. We were like, what is happening? <laughs> Why are, are, do they know it's us? Yeah. And obviously they knew it was us, but like, we had never really experienced that level of like being quote unquote, whatever the fucking word means famous. Yeah. But we step out in front of 15,000 people and they are so excited to see us. It is, um, it's, it's. you just, we got swept up. And all of a sudden we had energy and we put on a show. I mean, I don't even remember the show. It was a blur. Yeah, Cause you're just constantly, I mean, and it was one of those, it's a shed, so it goes up, right? So you're constantly like looking up and it's this wall of people. And it was just, amazing and like so beautiful. And we just kept looking at each other like, is this happening? I don't understand. We're real big fish. Yeah, we're a ska band. (laughs) Are you sure this is what you're looking for? And I think we we kind of kept that mentality through a lot of our career, which is. How, you know, and not taking it for granted ever. Like you just go, we're a ska band gang. I don't know how this is possible. Yeah. (laughs) We're, we're a dorky, like ska glam punk band from Southern California who like, I I mean, I played trumpet professionally, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. And was a rock star quote unquote, sort of Yeah. playing trumpet. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, you definitely played the, uh, the sidekick role a bit as well. I mean, you're obviously like with Aaron a lot as well. So.
2: Yeah. But it was just, it's, it's that, that was a defining moment where we just like, it it really hit us. Like what was going to, what was possible and where we were going and, um, it just, you know, people, I, I, I guess we, we, you know, I've always, t- we've always talked about, it, it's like, how, you know, we just did Chris Damakis's podcast. He's like, how did, you know, he's like, when did you know you had a hit? And Aaron and I looked at each other, we're like, right, what is a hit? Like, you don't know you have a hit. I still don't think of it as having a hit, but yeah. it was. Yeah. but That actually like-
0: segues perfectly into my second question, because I watched that interview with you and Aaron on Chris Damakis's podcast it's hard to say Chris Christamake whatever. I don't know. I think I mean,
2: it's Chris with an, an uh, apostrophe. Without
0: again, the right? extra S, right? Like it's hard yeah. to say.
2: <laughs> it's like Sorry, people don't know how to possess My it. mother's a big grammar person. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just Chris
0: Yeah. So you just kind of have to emphasize it with your head. D'Amicus podcast. Demacus. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um,
0: but obviously a question that you'll probably be asked and Aaron's probably asked. And I just realized when I typed this, I have Aaron with three A's, which is hilarious. Um, but
2: he's a three, a Aaron, I'll say, <laughs>
0: yeah. um, do you guys ever see this, see a real big fishery union coming back? Do you have the conversations with Aaron as being part of that? Or is it something that you, if they do come back, you would not be part of?
2: I mean, if, if there was an opportunity, I would not say no. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, Aaron and I, we, okay, we don't we don't talk about it but we don't not talk about it aaron and i have a really i think at times aaron and i are very good at like reading each other and and like going and not going in places to talk you know like um we love each other's company like we just i i i, I there is something that spending that much time with a guy um and being so like intertwined life-wise and like knowing the history and then like writing together and working together and fighting and yeah um i uh you know that like yeah like right now aaron's not saying i don't think either of us is saying no to anything but it's just not um we just want to enjoy each other's friendship. Yeah. And like when he came on my Twitch show a year or so ago, we had so much fun. And we do enjoy performing together. Um in that, like with no pressure and just, I don't know. Um, w- will that happen? I can't say it won't. I'm sure, like at some point, when, who knows? But yeah. I would love to do it. I would love to be involved. Um, yeah, because I I I it was such, it's such an important, you know, when I left, um, I left because I felt like I was losing perspective and I don't want anybody on that stage who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't be that person who's like up there and not giving it everything. That's just not how I work. And, um, and so I needed to take a little bit of a break. You know, sometimes you've got to. Yeah. And um, and it took me a while to even start playing any kind of music. It's like when I, you know, uh, when I came off the road, I took about a two year just hiatus from making music at all. Um, and so but I, I I love working with Aaron and and I like the way his brain works. I like how he writes, I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Um you know, One thing I didn't know I, about you, yeah.
0: about you as a musician, uh, until I saw you live for the first time, was that you can actually shred on the guitar as well. And and I didn't know that until I think you, you guys pulled out beer and you were playing the lead guitar on beer. And I was like, wait, what? The trumpet player can shred on guitar? Like, what the hell is happening right now? But, like, obviously now that I see all the other music you've made, like, it's clear that you can play other music. You can play piano, guitar, and all that stuff. So it's you and Aaron, like, even able just to kind of do that kind of stuff, riff back and forth, play other instruments, do what you want and have fun. You know, a real big fish show is never not fun. It's I've never, (laughs) I mean, it's always fun. I I saw you guys open in Eugene or or you guys headline in Eugene, Oregon. And some 41 was a support act for you. Like the week before fat lip came out. And I was like, Holy shit, this band's huge all of a sudden.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was, they couldn't, that was a crazy thing. And I, I, I I love those guys. Um, Um, you know, they were one of the very, like, few bands that, like, returned the favor in a big way. You know, we took so many bands out, um, at the beginning of their career and, um, you know, and some of those guys had wound up being, you know, like, I mean, we took, we took Maroon 5 out on tour back when they were under a different name and, like, yeah. we love, you know, because we were like, we love this band. Yeah. Yeah and it was you know and Back it's always when they been still so had a,
0: great a california jammy ska yeah, sound vibe yeah. almost yeah
2: well yeah they, yeah they were like a power pop band and now of course they're maroon 5 and like you know and 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 um you know and a bunch of sweethearts like those 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 guys are um and um you know it's like uh we took nobody like for some reason sum 41 was having a hard time getting a tour in the states and so we were like yeah we love this band sounds awesome so we took them out and you know they crushed every night they were yeah. an amazing band and then like after then they became some 41 and like yeah. derek was like dating paris hilton and stuff and um they were like hey we want to take you to europe in the uk with us nice. and we were like uh yeah so we were playing like huge venues with them and it's like you know forever grateful with them because they helped us i mean they like we were we were doing europe in the uk at that point but they they still they, i mean they they bumped it up a notch yeah for us.
0: yeah at that at that peak in their career i mean they were putting out big shows so
2: huge shows i mean yeah we went like it was we went to the uh something they were getting an award I th- were we both getting awards i don't remember all i know <laughs> is we were at the uh nme awards i think
3: oh yep uh yeah, NME, yeah.
2: And like, we were hanging out just like there. And then that's what the first, that's the time I met Paris Hilton. And I was just like, oh, there you go. (laughs) And again, you wonder, you're like, oh, this freaking guy. Trumpet player for a ska band. I don't know what I'm doing here, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Um, But it's, you know, like it's, it's um, yeah. I mean, that's, we always just wanted to, we're down for the scene. We're down for the cause. We're down for people who want to do this thing and do it because it's 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 what they you know it's like it's i think the one thing that makes this whole lyme disease thing tolerable is because after like after we do this you know like there's something that kicks in for me and it's just like it's the show you know it's like i'm not normally this energetic it's just when the camera's on or the things on it's like this is who comes out but then I'm gonna to have to take a nap because it's exhausting, yeah. Yeah. but I can work, I can play, I can write, I can, the music part, if I couldn't do, I, I would be a shell of a human being because it's yeah. it's what consumes my thoughts. It's how I connect with the world. It's how I process what's going on, you know? Um, and, and when you see other people, no matter what their genre, I mean, we, Rubik Fish was big about this. It's like, that's why we, we tried to take as many interesting bands as we could out on tour, because we wanted to put on a show that was eclectic. You know, going over to Europe and the UK, their festivals are so broad and weird. And it's like, I remember in the, the show in rock, uh, it's called Rock and Park, no, Rock and Ring. In Germany, and I we got there a day early before we played, and I watched uh Outcast, no Queens of the Stone Age, Outcast, and Radiohead on the same stage. Wow, it was the best! And in Europe, you're, you're
0: likely to get like a Viking metal band or something too in there somewhere.
2: Oh, they put us on the like. Metal stage, it was. We were in this tent with like five thousand like drunken German metal fans, and it was like Static X and like all these crazy, you know. Yeah. And and we were like backstage, and we were like, "Well, it was great working with you guys. They're gonna murder us." But we went out and like we opened with like uh uh scott Tannic, yeah. and then we did you know everything is cool and Satan, and we did all of our like fast punk metal stuff and they yeah. loved it you know and then we they can like, skank okay, a little well we in survived.
0: between the, the breaks and stuff too
2: yeah i mean we survived <laughs> somehow but that was that's and, and again that goes back to the beauty of aaron's like approach it was just like everything was fair game
3: yeah
2: you know what i mean um
0: I was going to yeah. ask you because this is actually the question number three. And we've got two more to go after this. So we'll try to hurry it up like, So again. I I'm, know. I'm I know. I love to hear it. And, and normally I would spend all day talking to you, but obviously we've got other you got a babysitter. time I got limits it. and stuff, Freaking time limits. But the question number three is what's, and this has got to be a hard one uh, for me, even though I'm not a professional musician, it's not even that hard for me, but what's more rewarding having a great family life or creating music? What's more rewarding?
2: I can't do either without either. Yeah. You know, okay. So, so in, it, during, uh, over the past couple of months, while my energy levels are low, I've started doing this thing that it's called creative coaching. And it's essentially helping people either put creativity back in their life or help them progress creatively or help them like artistically individuate kind of find their own voice or just be a sounding board and a cheerleader and and take the 30 years of experience as a professional creative person and like pass it on because I mm-hmm. think that's wildly important. Yeah. And one of the things I tell the people that I work with is that life is the art. Yep. Period. Yeah. Living is the art form. The medium is the prism through which you shine the art form through in order to draw people in with the pretty colors it paints. Yeah. So they can feel comfortable having a human experience. If I'm not living, if I'm not growing, if I'm not changing, if I'm not sacrificing, if I'm not finding ways to be of service right if i'm not expanding my patience tolerance and love of myself the people around me and my community at large then i've got nothing to create for yeah i've got nothing to put through the prism i agree so it's kind of a ch- a chicken or the egg situation to a degree yeah but it's like i didn't get into making music just for the music's sake cuz i was trying to make sense of the world yeah. And this was one of the first things that I could consciously latch onto. that said, when I heard it, I went, I feel like this sees me. How do I return the favor and tap deeper into this thing that makes sense of the world and creates a space where I can be of service where I can help connect and create cathar- catharsis for others. Yeah. And it really I mean, like, even though I think for me, there were a lot of selfish motivations at first, like there is for any young person is it's like, see me understand me, I'm I'm I need to feel special. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it, it has transitioned as I've gotten older and matured and experienced more, and yeah. learned to love deeper, and with a deeper amount of sacrifice um so that for me they're they're indispensable to one another because if i take away the music i have a hard time processing the life that i live and figuring out how to you know like connect um whereas if i'm not living a life then there's no then there's nothing to put through there for sure you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it does wind up being it's like what, what requires me to give up more of myself? What requires me to crack open a little bit and not focus on me so much? Yeah, but, but focus on, you know, my kids need me to be a better dad today than I was tomorrow, yesterday. Yeah, they do because they need, they're they're older than they were yesterday. They've changed and grown. My wife needs me to be a better husband and friend and partner today than I was yesterday. And sometimes I'm good at that and sometimes I'm not, but this is the stuff that for me is what leads me towards, I have something you know I have something to put into the magic box that I can then shake around and like you know I mean that's a weird side metaphor but um I can't make music that's for me I can't make music that's any good if I'm not living a life based on like humility and growth
0: yeah and it's weird because like I still don't know where I come up with ideas for for music or writing or songs or even just writing poetry or whatever I'm just like like a thing just hits me and I snatched it out of the air and like start writing. And it's like, I didn't even realize I had all those thoughts. I just had an initial spark and decided to do something. So you're right. Yeah. Without living the life, you don't get that kind of stuff. All right. So let's go to question four. This one okay. could be short because it's, it's just asking you what's, what's sure. one thing you have not done in your career that you would still like to achieve?
2: Wow. Um, boy, there's one thing. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have not. Okay. I have not put out something that was solely mine that has garnered the attention of my heroes. Okay. I have been so lucky to be a part of Real Big Fish that did get the attention and and, and, and appreciation of so many of my early heroes. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dave Dave Wakeling from The English Beat and The Selector and getting to meet, you know, I mean, Huey Lewis, um, you know, the guys in Green Day, um, you know, so many of, of my early heroes. But it's like there are certain people who keep i keep this little secret box of like um elvis costello is one
3: okay
2: uh, gilberto gil uh, this phenomenal if you if, if just anything gilberto gil does is phenomenal i have these these songwriters and like creative people that are just like you know, everything they do is amazing. So it's yeah. one is Elvis Castell, the other is Gilberto Gil. Um, and to guard, like, you always hear these stories. I, I remember hearing this story about how when uh, Harry Nilsson put out his first uh, 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 record that he got one day, he got a phone call. And it was Paul McCartney going,
1: Hey, Harry, this is Paul. I, I love your new record. And I'd love to work
2: with you. Yeah, you know, and then the next day, he got a phone call. Hello, Harry, this is John. I love your new record. And so it's like, like, what up? Like what? Yeah. You know? um, You know, it's really interesting. that You
0: you, you mentioned this because my fifth question actually goes directly into this. I feel like these were like made by like reading your mind or incepting you somehow. But the fifth question, actually, you could just pick up the conversation here. What four musicians would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore for being influential or being your favorite? So I don't know if that was Costello and Gilberto. Yeah, Elvis gil, Costello,
2: or... definitely one. Gilberto yeah. gil is the other. Uh uh, I would say Frank Zappa. Okay. Uh, and then um Erica Badu.
3: Oh wow. That's, that's Erica Badu him. is
2: yeah. like <sighs> just, uh, what a what a creative like what an Unmist- like just n- not a thing that woman does doesn't just take my breath away yeah like i'm gonna, spend, I'm gonna does, send your
0: newest single and then this little clip to all four of those people i know frank zappa is gonna have to take it into the into yeah, the yeah, great yeah. Beyond, but, but send it out there to them and see if they can respond back to you
2: it's just like you know <laughs> um you know uh, uh uh actually anybody in the the uh uh, uh the Soul Questrian movement because it was I'd have to I put one more and that would be yeah uh 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 yeah probably Quest love because Quest Love was a part of so much of the important music that like moved and actually really inspired the Littlest Man band. Yeah. So it's like Erica Badu's Mama's Gun, um D'Angelo's Voodoo, uh just this stuff was like yeah it was like oh so much can be done yeah like this is exciting um and always groundbreaking you know what i mean like yeah never not groundbreaking yeah um never not like making. whenever they do something i just stand up and go what i have so much more work to do i have so much more like freedom to take and so many more chances and risks to like throw out there um yeah. you know because that's always the thing right it's always like um if i'm taking a risk well for instance like the the the, the single i put out before just like you is a song called sidled up yeah or Sidle up it's just sidle up Yeah, there's no d um that was a song I, I didn't like. I wasn't going to put it out. And I realized why I wasn't going to put it out is because it was too vulnerable for me. It hit me in a place that really hurt. Yeah. And I showed it to a friend of mine, to my best friend, and she was like, uh, no, you should maybe work on this song. And then I was in the studio with John, and we were working on a completely different song. And I was just playing it. And John's like, uh, what is that? I was like, oh, it's a song. I don't know if I like it. He's like, would you play it for me, please? And I played it for him. He's like, we're going to stop. Honestly, this is what happened. Because he went to the bathroom and he came back and I was playing the song. He's like, what, what, what is that? And I was like, here's the whole song. And he's like, okay, we're going to stop what we're doing now. And this is what we're going to focus on. <laughs> and he's like, what, do you have any other songs that you haven't played me? And I was like, oh yeah, there's a ton. And he's like, I don't have time for that right now. Let's focus on this. <laughs> i have so many songs that i'm just like "Eh, i don't know yeah people are just like what do you mean and then i go oh it's really personal they're like duh
1: stupid
2: duh and that's i have some wonderful like friends in my life that can talk to me like that and i don't get offended they're like you dumb dumb (laughs) share this with people they need it and i'm like okay
0: yeah yeah for sure
2: but but anyway that would be it elvis costello Gilberto gil uh uh frank zappa eric abadu Quest love,
0: very cool. Well, that's it. The spotlight is off. Scott is still with us, which is great. Uh, and we'll be back after this quick break to wrap things up and talk about what's in store for Scott, the Louis Man Band, and, and anything else that we got coming up in the near future. And we'll be back right after this. Reverend Guitars embodies the idea that every run of scorching lead and every roll of fingerpicked twang deserve the same passion and commitment to quality. Whether you're selling out arenas or playing in your living room. We know that what makes an instrument powerful is when players wield them to create something remarkable. A melody that moves mountains. A riff that just won't quit. We want to be there in your hands when that happens. For us, that means staying true to what we believe. Somewhere along the road of electric guitar history, it became a crazy idea that guitar makers should craft guitars with the same sense of purpose and passion, whether they're played in a bedroom or an arena. If that's a wild idea, then we're in the right place. Carrying six strings and an attitude, and wearing good company. Reverend Guitars, well played. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow, it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head at DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Never. Go to diyrockcareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode.
1: Then I lost my way.
0: Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast where I've been speaking with Scott Kloffenstein from the Wolves Man Band and Rubik Fish. So Scott, let's talk about what's going on with you and with the little Man Band. You got a lot of stuff going on. You got Twitch going on, you've got uh, creative coaching as we've mentioned. Uh, you got some shows with the Little Man Band coming up. So let's talk about that. Go ahead and shoot us with everything you got.
2: So, yeah, I've been doing Twitch for the past three years. Kind of unbelievable to believe. Um, unbelievable to believe. Yes, that's me. Um, so, yeah, if you go to twitch.com forward slash Scott Kloppenstein, we stream on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And Mondays and Fridays are in the evening. And Wednesdays and Thursdays are in the morning. Um uh, it's just, it's just great fun. And it's, you know, it's, 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 um, and the, again, the thing I like about it is it's all it's like crowdfunding. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's, I'm playing, I'm working, I'm keeping my my chops fresh. Um, and it's interactive too. It's communal. That's what I miss a lot. And, and I you feel get like heckled really... all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> do. It's true. I mean, and I've made friends and it's like, yeah. when you go, when, you know, when we've gone on tour, it's, it's like, Hey, I've never met you face to face before. This is amazing. Um, and you really get to know people. And so that we've been doing that, which is super rad. We have a couple shows. The Lillis Man Band has some shows coming up, which uh, on September 9th at the Garden Amphitheater in Garden Grove, California, we have, we're, uh playing the third annual summer sizzler. It's gonna be Bite Me Bambi, uh the Littles Man Band, a band called the Wolves of Glendale that are hilarious. And yeah. uh and then a band called the mccharmleys just got added and they're awesome. It's it's so um it's great. They always I mean I would recommend people get tickets ahead of as as soon as possible because the show always sells out. So yeah. Um yeah. Wolves of Glendale doing... are funny. I keep getting Instagram oh, reels hilarious. cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> um and so uh, then we're doing a show called the maximum Scott and P fest. Then I keep making up what the P stands for. Um, I think but, it's supposed uh, to be punk.
0: I talked to the guy. Who I'm runs sure it's, it, so. I
2: know it's supposed yeah. to be punk, but it's yeah. P for some reason. And yeah. I was just like, okay, then I'm just going to make up whatever I want. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, pass him a quaddie. Um, yes. but, uh, so that's happening on October 7th and that's going to be a ton of bands. Littlest Man Band, Loser, uh, B420, uh, uh, uh just, so many bands yeah um and uh and then yeah i've been doing this thing called creative coaching where i had a friend who was like uh, so a lot of the people that i look up to um and a lot of the artists that you know i read a lot of autobiographies and things and one of the things that like um a lot of the people teaching is important to a lot of them yeah and giving something back and so um, I have so much experience and knowledge and like, you know, wildly successful friends in different disciplines of creativeness. You know, so some of them are chefs, some of them are visual artists, some of them are writers for television and movies, and some of them are theater actors and, and all sorts, you know, and, and, and creativity I've found is, is the, the approach to creativity, no matter what the discipline is, is often very similar. Yeah. And and I read about different disciplines because I think it's important to utilize certain things like that to kind of get around to my work as well. It's like, you know, I love reading about uh, 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 modern dance. I love dance. I'm a huge fan, but reading, you know, reading about Pina Bausch or, or, or Twilight Tharp or, and, you know, um, stuff like that is like hugely important. Um, and so I found that, yeah, being able to help people no matter what where they are in their creative life or they don't have a creative life and they just want one has been really rewarding and so if anybody's interested in that they can hit me up at klopkensteincoaching at gmail.com i haven't quite put the site together yet yeah um but it's it's really fulfilling and i mean i'm working with teachers and and aspiring writers and and uh and and songwriters because you know i mean i know a lot about that but then you know, visual artists and stuff. And it's, it's pretty great. And I find it very fulfilling um, to be able to pass off the knowledge. And like, while I don't have always the energy to go out and do, you know, play months and months of shows and do all the stuff is it's like, to sit and talk about creativity just makes me happy, you know, and I mean, like, um, there's a point at which, you know, when I, as I'm putting the whole thing together, I'll probably go, like, I, I went to the Orange County high school, of the arts here that's in Santa Ana in Southern California. And I, they, we've talked to them about teaching a master class, Uh, and then there's also some other school of the arts here in Southern California that I've been talking about it with as well. And it's just, it's a great opportunity. And, um, yeah, it's a, I, I just dedicate an hour to two hours of my day to like talking with people and, yeah. I like to be of service. I like helping, you know, and as I'm getting older, regardless of of, of of Lyme diseases, it's like. I do want to be home a little more and with my kids and stuff like that. And teaching um, also feels really good to be able to watch someone else flourish. And I had so many great mentors in my life, so many incredible mentors and 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 in my life that to be able to return the favor. Cause yeah. that's what it feels. It, it's for me, it's always about doing something reciprocal.
0: Yeah. And I feel know? like almost everybody who's ever done something successfully had somebody they could, you know, look up to learn from mentors are absolutely an underrated phenomenon in American culture in almost yeah. every other country. It's like the way to do something here. It's like you just push through, you'll figure it out. Or, you know, you go to school, you get the right connections and you'll make it right. But like, right everybody needs a mentor. Like if you don't have yeah. one single mentor in your life, get one, find one. Cause you'll become better at what you do right away.
2: Well, and the thing that I think is interesting is I know that a lot of times they just don't get talked about, but most of the successful people that I know have all had mentors, Yep. all of them, Yep. whether they talk about it or not. And so it's like, You know, and again, like mentor is such a lofty word, but it's somewhere between like a coach and a cheerleader. Cause I just love creativity. It doesn't matter how good somebody is. I'm not here to judge that. I'm here to watch somebody grow. That's what's exciting. And it's like, and and I, you know, it's like creativity. There's a difference between creativity and artistry. Yeah creativity is the raw thing and then you get into the more like developing of instincts and influences and stuff like that to create craft into artistry but it's like people are afraid to be creative there's a shame there's a like what if i get it wrong and it's like there is no right or wrong you know it's it's like there's this great jack kerouac poem that talks about the history of bebop and and i'm going to paraphrase because i can't quote it directly but he's like you know, you had felonious monk or John Coltrane walking down the street and hearing coming out of a storefront a a sudden and distinct mistake in music, and that's when they re- invented bebop. They were like, "Oh, we're missing an opportunity here." Yeah. You know, it's it's like there's no right or wrong. Is it's like what's possible? You know, listen to like something like Pillow Wand, which is a record made by Thurston Moore and Nels Klein, and it's just two dudes and guitars making crazy noises. Yeah. <laughs> or you sit down and listen to, you know, um um uh you know like uh um uh, oh Julius Eastman who's a fantastic like minimalist composer and the delicacy with which things are composed and it's like you know like uh and still like not necessarily sticking to romantic forms or what have you but like cultivating an unbelievable uh, 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 visceral and emotional experience in experimenting with 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 all the same materials. Yeah. You know, whether it's spontaneous or constructed, like there's no right or wrong. There's just what is And then you go, well, this doesn't feel right, or it doesn't go in the right direction, or I'm thinking this, or I want to clean this up a little bit, or I can make more sense of this, or I, you know, whatever it is. But it's like so many people, I had a great theater director who, when I was composing for theater um, in New York, told me, writer's block is just editing something you haven't written yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Stopping yourself at the start
2: oh my gosh it's that simple we love to complicate things but this stuff is really simple it just takes somebody saying hey i'm giving you permission but you don't need it yeah we all want permission but the fact of the matter is is it's like you don't need it
0: yeah well victor wooten the, the really incredible bass player i saw a video of him on online where he was just like there are no wrong notes all the music theorists are wrong and he's just like, yeah. watch this, and he's just playing a song. He's literally playing oh, yeah, whatever I've seen that he once and I'm like, what the hell? That <laughs> yeah, sounds fine, but like, absolutely all all not part feel, of in the the
2: groove, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all in like the commitment to what you're playing, and like, yeah, that's yeah. it's there. There is no right or wrong, and yeah. it's like there's right or wrong for you, yeah. But like, you write those rules. Yep. You know, like I write, I can write something and go, Ugh, I don't like that, but that's, that's my rule. Yeah. And sometimes my rules aren't right. As I just talked about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes my rules are the ones that are keeping me from being effective.
0: Absolutely. That's all, everything that I got for you today, Scott. I, th- I think I just want to say, I thank you so much. I do want to have one last thing from you in the sense of, if you have any recommendations for a new music, new band, new uh, album, new song that oh, is yeah. yours, that you would like to recommend, what do you got?
2: Let me see. What am I listening to right now? Um, um, oh, um, okay. Yes. The new Gabriel's record Okay, is just blowing my mind.
0: Yeah. I haven't actually listened to yet. So I'm it obsessed
2: yet. with, I'm obsessed with the, uh, the new. It's just Gabriels, not the Gabriels. It's just yeah. Gabriels. It's called Angels and Queens, and then I'm gonna do two because I, I, seriously I can't stop listening to these two records, and then the new, uh, uh, and I never know how to say this. I, I should probably look into it, but it's, Anoni, uh, Anoni. It's spelled, it's all capital, A-N-O-H-N-I. So it used to be, um, they used to go by Antony from Antony and the Johnsons. But now they just go by uh, A-N-O-H-N-I. The record is called My Back Was a Bridge for You to Cross. It is beautiful. These two records are like, I'm like mad. Cause they and this is what I love. It's like I'm like, oh, I wanted to write that. Yeah. (laughs) Why did you know? Um, they're so beautiful. The production is incredible on both the records. The arrangements are fun and thoughtful and groundbreaking at times, and yet still very familiar. Like they ride this place between um progressing into new territory while still staying very um um relatable and familiar and beautiful yeah. it's just just two great records i highly recommend um yeah i mean i could rep i spend every friday spending about two to three hours digging through and finding new artists and and you know familiar and just so that nothing skips i i i think i think new music's great
3: yeah
2: i'm not one of those people that's like it's not like it used to be it's like thank yeah. god we already did that
0: yeah, exactly right.
2: <laughs> you know? Um, it's literally
0: the tagline of the show. Rock music's not dead. You just stop paying attention.
2: Yeah. It's like, this stuff is great. I mean, you know, like, I mean, if you haven't listened to the new uh, uh, King, Liz- King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, what are you doing with your time? Well, I mean, they've got I like 36 understand.
0: albums in the last like seven years. so. <laughs>
2: the new one is so good. It's such like thrash metal. Like it's... yeah seriously, I listen to that a lot as well. Yeah. And, exactly. um, and I could never write that way. Yeah. It just doesn't come to me that way, but it's like,
0: I'm going to blame it so on the Australian records. seawater or something. There. Oh man. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, that's, a, it's like, what am I listening to? So many, I mean, yeah. I mean the new Madeline, uh, Kenny is really good. I think it's nice. called a new reality mind. Um, that's more of a, like an electronic record. Um, I think it's really beautiful. Um, I'm just, yeah, I listen, yeah. I listen, just constantly listening to stuff. There's yeah. a new band, Boozhoo Banton record coming out that I'm excited about. I could talk about what's coming out forever.
0: Yeah. One of these like, days I'm going to call you back and be like, let's talk about music all day forever. Uh,
2: all day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's seriously, it's like, I honestly, I, I, well, so I have Apple music and you're only allowed to have a limited amount of like songs and albums so i have to go through and like get rid of stuff to make space for new stuff which is totally fine like i'm not always constantly listening to everything you know like there are certain records i hold on to but it's like um you know i don't need to have everything always because it's already there if i go like oh i want to listen to that record i just go and listen to it but it's in my library you can only have like it's a small number. It's like a hundred thousand songs or something yeah. like that, which um, seems which like
0: a lot. But then when you say like a lot, how but, many songs? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily it's not based on time because I listen to a lot of like stuff that's like one song that's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it's like I want to. I like going into places that I don't understand. Yeah, because I want to grow. Yeah. And I want to be able to know, you know, like I got kids, I've got a 12 year old and a nine year old and they're constantly showing me stuff. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. Sometimes they show me stuff and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. But it's like, at the same time, sometimes they show me stuff and I'm like, I'm stoked. And then sometimes they show me stuff and I was like, Oh, I know who that, I know what that is. And I know that person. And they're like, what? Yeah. How do you know that person? And I'm like, (laughs) I know that person. They're like, it's And then they get blown away and they're like, I keep forgetting what you do. And I'm like, I know people, but
0: every once in a while,
2: every now and then. Yeah.
0: I'm cool now. Right. I'm cool.
2: (laughs) Right. No, I'm never cool. I was playing. Like I, I was listening to Fugazi in the car yesterday as we came back from where we were getting dessert and, um, and, uh, my eldest was in the car with me and, and she was l- listening to something else on her headphones. I was like, just do me a favor and pull your headphones out and listen. And then I started explaining who Fugazi was and how they worked and all sorts of stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, cool. And I was like, all right. And she's like, all right. And then she like listened. And then she just stared out the window and listened. And I was like, are you digging it? And she's like, it's interesting. I was like, it's Fugazi. It's one of the yeah. best bands that ever existed.
0: Yeah it's going to fight the man I would, put you know, fugazi, fight fugazi. I would
2: put fugazi on that mount rushmore as well Yeah. see yeah. there's Great too many band. people too many people yeah.
0: <laughs> well i, I do want to thank you for all your time today scott uh, you know it's an incredible honor to have you here it's been incredible to talk to you incredible to listen to your stories i'll put all the notes and all the links in the show notes below this episode so go check out you know go fund me check out his creative coaching check out the little man band uh you know the the shows that are coming up go go if you're in california especially go to those shows And, guys, remember the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. To show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also make a a donation below if you'd like to. The podcast can help us keep making awesome, awesome shows with awesome guests like Scott. And then, obviously, if you want to see the full video inter- interview, it's on YouTube or Spotify. So if you are just listening, you can actually go check out this interview on YouTube or Spotify. If you want to check out, I'm showing some of the- a lot of
2: chest hair, so yeah. you might want to check <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah,
0: like, but unbutton more, Scott. Show some skin.
2: <laughs> show some skin.
0: <laughs> if you want to check out some of our awesome content or our merch and gear, head to poweredbyrock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.